jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of darkness! Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we're back, right? Isn't that exciting? It feels like we have been gone 25,000 years. Uh, and now we're here. How are you? Great. <laughs> <laughs> I am great. Uh, you know, I had, I actually, this is so boring to people, but I don't care. I don't think you could fast forward. Uh, I had a big brain moment in my <gasps> Korean studies this week. I had a big brain moment. What happened? Where something like, I had a little, just a breakthrough of understanding. And it was, it was very nice. I got very excited. Like, like everything unlocked, the skies cleared, the sun shone, the gates were unlocked. For one small thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the perils of translation. Oh, yeah. You see. Um, because it was like I was practicing sentences and stuff, and I wrote this sentence, and it was, I, I wrote, I'm a writer, so I don't have any money. Right? I don't know where I got that, but uh, it just came to me. <laughs> so I wrote that. And uh, the way Korean works is they put particles on the ends of things to tell you, like, what part of speech something is. Because, as has I've talked to you about, Anthony, word order doesn't always matter. Right. You can just say whatever you want, but the particle will tell you what function the word has, right? And so the sentence, I'm a writer, so I don't have money, in English... Money is an object, right, of the verb to have. I have money. I don't have money, right? Yes. So you would think in Korean it would take the object particle, but it does not. It takes a subject particle. And I said, why is this taking a subject particle when it's clearly an object in I don't have money? And then I said, Stacy, look at the Korean. It's a subject because to have also means basically to exist so the way it actually translates is implied as for me money doesn't exist oh wow and so money is actually the subject of the verb to not exist does it, if that makes sense wow <laughs> So I just finally like got it. Is it it's it's not a one to one translation of I don't have money. It's basically like for me money doesn't exist. See, but that's the this is this one of the many exciting parts of your linguistic your your translatrix journey is that now you are adapting your brain and challenging and shifting your worldview. Like, it was a really nice moment of like, oh my god, I understand why it's using this particle and not that particle. That's beautiful. The particle I think it should use based on English. That's beautiful. 
It's wild, right? Congratulations. Thank you. I felt very accomplished. Don't you find um, a, a, an immense space of pain and misery? Well, maybe not misery, but sadness. Wistful sadness in that the the translatrix journey uh like the things don't translate one to one uh like i i read this i'm i just finished this book well it's a really short 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 novel novella um the whole of course i was reading that by Hiro- hiroko oyamata um and it's it's beautiful and thoughtful and existential and sad weird whatever bizarre um but there it's just this woman this this woman in Japan and she f- falls into a hole one day that's shaped like her. And then suddenly it just, everything in the world shifts her understanding of the world and just weird things. She sees all these, un- these unreal, fantastical things. And it was beautiful. But at the end I was kind of like, I'm not sure exactly what happened. And I just wonder how much my, my ability to read this text would be shifted by having that, being able to read the actual words it was written in and understand them so all this to say i understand why you are doing that and i think it's really exciting but i think it is sad that we won't ever really ever be able to fully communicate across languages when it's like when the dots connect a little bit and i understand the concept of something that's very exciting and then your brain lights up and then my brain lights up and then you get sad because the more you know the more you realize you don't know you know what I mean, man? And you'll so. never know. And you'll never know. And that's hard for me to accept. Unless we discover the secret to immortality as we lay dying. And you, you know, you get shot up with whatever the, your Aldous Huxley drugs of choice are. And you, you, you make all of your family and your loved ones chant and light the candles and, and all that stuff. And then you harness a cone of power into extending your consciousness out to survive past death and become one with the logos and know everything i see you can always do that i could try i should start practicing you really should yeah death rehearsal and also i think if anybody listened to our real housewives of darkness episode or <laughs> stupid title <laughs> about the real housewives i feel like on that episode you asked if there had ever been a more horror sequence or has has real housewives ever been more of a horror movie than the midsummer dinner yeah the mother's vacation. day midsummer massacre yeah and my answer now anthony is yes <gasps> is it in atlanta no the answer is Real Housewives of New Jersey, the entirety of season two is a fucking horror movie. It is so dark. (gasps) Like, I... There are so many franchises I have not yet indulged in, obviously. But I do consider myself a seasoned housewife watcher. Aficionado. You subscribe to the magazine. That's That's right. And yet, none of it prepared me for New Jersey season two. It's a fucking horror movie from beginning to end. Wait, like darker than Beverly Hills season two with Taylor and what happened with her husband? In a way, yeah. What the fuck? It there it's it's dark. I don't know how to describe it, like to but you should see it so that we can do an episode on it. You should watch one and two. Season one is only like six episodes. Oh really? Yeah. And so God season, damn it. 
but you should you have to watch one to get the context for two but two is just unlike anything really i've ever seen um, oh my god yeah so You're if, any, if anyone's a New Jersey watcher and can agree with me or not, it's I just it's wild. You're selling me hard. Okay, I'm gonna make a pact. I will watch season <laughs> okay. one and two, and then we'll do a we'll do okay. another Housewives of Darkness on this. Yeah, because that sounds amazing. I'm I'm doing. I still have to finish Potomac, the latest season, and then I'm I'm still doing Atlanta, and then I also just started Melbourne, and I'm obsessed because I love some off-brand Australian housewives. Yeah. Um, a, a barrister versus a psychic married to the man from Silverchair. But, okay, New Jersey is going into the rotation now. But that's for another time. Right, in the future, when we're discussing Real Housewives of Darkness. Today, uh, we're going to talk about a movie. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> this is shocker. Yeah. A movie that you had never seen before. This. Right? <laughs> Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Confirm it. Yeah, I just was making sure. Uh, so anyway, 1961. This movie is 130 years old. <laughs> to the day, this week. To the day, anniversary, 130. 1961, Carnival of Souls. I was like, Anthony, you gotta see it. Because it's a formative film. You did say, Anthony, you should see it. And I've always been like, yeah, Carnival of Souls. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that another movie with some some bird walking down the boardwalk as ghouls <laughs> surround her? Well, B- gams up to here. Gams up to here. <laughs> uh, so I had a completely different idea of what... I've, I'd seen glimpses of it because I, I checked in in and out during the Elvira um, scary, super scary special special on Shudder. And she showed that first, I think. And so I, I've, I saw bits and pieces of that. I've seen bits and pieces in the past. What the fuck was wrong with me? And why did it take me 175 years to see this movie? I, I fucking love Carnival of Souls. Yay! I... Last night, I put it on, I ordered, like, I accidentally ordered $60 worth of sushi, and I I sat there with my sushi and my white claw, because I've become that girl. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I, I, I went for a run yesterday, and then I got real lofty, and I was like, I'm gonna have sushi and a white claw as I watch Carnival of Souls. And let me tell you, it was the perfect set of ingredients, and I had... I don't know. You know, like, sometimes with black and white movies, I, I'm gonna sound like a horrible person... But just sometimes with certain classics, I can really, I can feel the pacing or I get, you know, I get, it can be long or it can be, I can kind of check out here and there with certain ones. Um, Carnival of Souls, also thank you, 78 minutes. Oh, I, I was just, I didn't want it to end. I feel like, I feel like that stupid person you meet who's like, Oh my, have you seen, have you ever heard of Star Wars? <laughs> Wait till you see the second one, there's a twist. I feel like that with this, because I'm like, I'm just so, I was texting Jason, I fucking love Carnival of Souls. I was in for the journey, and I just loved this movie. Yay, it is a journey, it is a mood. It is, that's the thing, Is like, there are so many movies that 
all of us haven't seen. You know what I mean? No matter how seasoned of a viewer you are, a horror fan, whatever, there's still going to be movies you've never seen. And so I just would like to, I think I've made this blanket statement before, but I'll make it again. Anytime when I say, you haven't seen this movie, it's not like, you fucking idiot. (laughs) 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 What the hell's wrong with you? It's more of a like, oh, wow. What a treat you have waiting for you. Because when it yes. is something that is like a classic or whatever that people have. Like if somebody came to me and was like, oh, I don't know. I love horror movies, but I've never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'd be like, holy shit, man. Wow. Well, you know, get yourself a white claw, honey, because <laughs> you're in for it. <laughs> white claw. Love it. You should just buy a bottle of vodka and cheap seltzer and save yourself some money. Oh, frugal Franny. That's right. Traipsing into my foyer, telling me how to live my life. Oh, (laughs) you know. Listen, I have to save my money for Mama Moose cities. I can't go spending it on White Claw. Okay. (laughs) That's $2. You know, Stacey, you you could illegally download those tracks and you could print them on cds and save yourself some money excuse me i know but then you wouldn't be supporting i would like to pay my queens thank you and i need to pay my claw holy moly okay well you know we all have our passions I have a, a poster of a giant white claw. <laughs> I just, listen, do you know what I mean? It's like in Thelma and Louise where she's buying all the little shooters of alcohol. And the man says, would you like the economy size? I am just that man trying to help you. You always are. Why are you always that man? <laughs> some say nature, some say nurture. <laughs> I appreciate your help. As I actively reject it, I appreciate it. <laughs> and I know it's not as cool. You could write white claw on a sticker and put yes! it on your glass. That's what I'm gonna do. Please. I'm gonna do. find I'm gonna get like an old can. Like yes. a, a, an, a, a can of like an old tab and I'm gonna write white claw on a sticker on it. And I'm just gonna fill up my my soda stream and vodka. Sit there. Grandma's enjoying her white claw again, watching Carnival of Souls for the 15th time. And then you wink at me. And I'm like, I know. Yeah, wink at the force ghost in the mirror that's winking back. <laughs> that's right. She holds up an off-brand can and winks at me. Oh my god. Is it because it's not a brand name? You can buy brand name seltzer and vodka. Is it the brand? Oh my lord. Well, okay. It's not even the brand because the brand is just trash. It's just, it's just, I, I've never done the claw, but I, we got, Pepper and I did a show and we got tipped. Someone tipped us two white, mango white claws and then I enjoyed it. And then so I had one again and then I had one for Carnival of Souls. It's not a new life path. I'm sorry. I'm pressing the brake. Yeah. I'm shifting into reverse. Yeah. Put it back in and drive. Did you just say I've never done the claw? <laughs> wow. Just I didn't realize how young and cool you are. I sometimes I forget. 
Well, thank you for understanding and seeing yeah. me for who I really am <laughs> as a fellow teen that loves the claw. Okay. How did this become about I don't know. Claw? We've been talking about White Claw for 20 minutes. That's why people tune in. Listen, I have done the claw plenty of times. I've done the claw plenty of times. How you do the claw? I've, of course I have. You're a claw aficionado? Of course. But then I said, I could do this myself a lot cheaper. I don't like to be taken advantage of. What claw do you do? I like a raspberry. Oh, I haven't had that. I've only had the mango. I mean, the mango. There's all kinds of flavors. <laughs> all your fruits. <laughs> so you... Of course, I'm speaking from experience. I'm not trying... I'm not uh, on the outside looking in, okay? I've done the claw. I'm one of you. I'm, how do you do, fellow claw doers? Google gaggle. <laughs> You've done the claw. Okay, so so then... So you turned to yourself and you said, I need to invest in the in this Korean girl group instead. And then... <laughs> You now own 51% of the company, and you took the rest of your riches, and you invested them in, you just did a regular, you just did a a lower, a normal, just a seltzer water, and you just added vodka to it? Like a La Croix? Yes, and a flavored vodka, if you so choose. I just think of, like, what is the cheaper way to do this? How do you do the ratio? Because the thing about the claw is it's it's only 5%. It's just a, it's a whisper of alcohol. Well, this is a personal decision. I can't tell you. <laughs> to each their own. To each their to each their own. <laughs> their ratios. I'm not here to ratio shame. Okay. I'm just saying it's cheaper. I love this. I support Frugal Franny, and I think she's a legend, <laughs> and she is a caring neighbor who's looking out for her fellow they. I just I only do it because I care. Okay. My grand, look, my grandchildren are all grown now. They don't want anything to do with me. Okay? Because <laughs> so, she's all clawed up. <laughs> you feel like grandma's on the hooch again. <laughs> I'm like, it's white claw. It's not hooch, thank you. You know, one of my ex-girlfriends, her brother worked at a correctional facility. What? And one time, yeah, and one time we all went out for uh, Spanish food, and we got sangria. And he was like, I can't drink sangria. It reminds me of jailhouse hooch. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway. <laughs> Wait, was he drinking the jailhouse hooch? Was he partake? Was he a part- active maybe participant? The sm- maybe the smell, maybe the way it looked with all the fruit floating in it. I don't oh, know. he's not. He's not sitting there like distilling hooch out of somebody's like leftover nylon tights. Of, yeah, he's not. I don't think he's at their toilet lapping it up. Lapping it up, like just dipping in the ladle. <laughs> yeah, but the, maybe the smell. Anyway, Carnival of Soul. <laughs> right, the film we are talking about today. Uh, well, I'm glad you liked it, because it is, if you've never seen it, go see it, go watch it. This movie is available everywhere. It was one of those, like, dollar store DVD movies for the longest time, and then Criterion got their greasy mitts on it, and, uh, have put out restored versions and everything. It's a beautiful movie. It is absolutely a classic, but it's super duper low budget. It's a one-shot deal from the filmmakers, and so I do think it is kind of overlooked by a portion of horror loving audiences 
Man, it's just, I mean, Night of the Living Dead, I feel, I think, I think there's a lot of overlap between these two films, which, uh, once again, have you ever heard of Star Wars? But, um, I feel that there's a lot of overlap between those two films, but Night of the Living Dead really created a genre, or a, a subgenre, I guess, and a, and a, and a, a ghoul, a monster, but this film, I guess, I mean, but this film also, in a way, created a genre, and, and, when you said formative, I mean, Gaylord's Bingo for one, but also it, it is entirely that. There are so many sequences and and tropes and jump scares and things that, that films continue to pull from today that go directly back to this film. But yeah, but they, it's so weird that both of these are such classics and yet both exist in the public domain and are have had every terrible $1 Walmart release or whatever. But also get these restored editions, and so I get I'm gonna have to buy the fancy Criterion Blu-ray is what I'm now thinking. Um, but yeah, I love I just absolutely was in awe of this movie. I love that low budget quality. I love how much this filmmaker is able to do with. I mean, like I was reading, he just was using like a handheld camera, where he's like, I can't afford rear projection. I'm just gonna get this handheld camera and sit in the car with my actress, and it just it it. It actually, I think in a way, it kind of evolved, moved the medium forward and showed a new approach to filmmaking and while also telling a really uh, lovely story that I relate to. I think it's timely. And also another thing about this movie is I kind of loved when it wasn't a straight up horror film. I just wanted it to just be a mood that I just lived in. Yeah, you're not gonna, it's not gonna keep you up at night. You know what I mean? It's definitely an... an otherworldly mood movie um the romero connection he did see this movie like this movie did have an influence on night of the living dead absolutely inspired Um, little georgie george inspired little georgie george but also the the behind the scenes are kind of parallel also in that her carvey the director of this worked at an industrial films corporation yeah um and made this movie in three weeks for thirty thousand dollars and it's like this parallels how night of the living dead came to be like romero was making all those industrial films and all that but her carby never went on to do anything else yeah i read that this failed initially at the box office and was just tanked or whatever and and then he just never he was just disillusioned and never made anything from that point on yeah um, so, but, it, but it's just, it's a prime example of like, you don't need a budget. You don't need all of this when you just have like a strong vision for what you want a movie to be. Yeah. Yeah. I love this movie. Absolutely. Absolutely loved it. Mary Henry is cool as shit as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Okay. She is a queen. Uh, so what happens in this movie? We've got a bunch of girls in a car including Mary Henry, our heroine. Um, And they are challenged to an impromptu drag race by some boy toys. They get into the world's slowest drag race. Yeah, led by Lisa Barlow. (laughs) But these drag racing girls are so fucking cool. They're so cool, right? One of them is smoking, so you know she's bad. Yeah. She drinks the claw. (laughs) You know she's doing the claw, right? (laughs) Uh, so, uh, the car with the gals ends up going off a bridge into the water. Terrible. Uh, sometime later, Mary Henry comes crawling out of the muck. She's the only survivor of this horrible drag racing accident. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
Um, she is a church organist, and she's super good at her job, and everybody is into her playing, and you know, God fucking loves that shit, because she's so good at it. But <laughs> she's like, it's just a job for me. I'm not here for all the church stuff, okay? So she gets another job at another church in Utah, and everybody's like, oh, are you going to see your family on the way out? Oh, I hope you come back and visit. And she's like, actually, I'm never coming back here. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so into Mary Henry. She's so fucking cool. Love her. So she gets in her car and she drives to Utah and she begins to be haunted by these ghostly figures and this organ music. And uh. on the way, she spies um, a seaside resort pavilion whatever lakeside it's all in ruin or whatever but she finds herself drawn to this building she doesn't know what's going on she gets a room in a rooming house there's a sleazy neighbor a cool as shit landlady oh i love mrs thomas she's so fucking cool so mary is like wowing him with her organ skills doing her thing minding her own beeswax but the ghostly figures keep appearing and she is unnerved by them um, because they just appear everywhere eventually uh she's in a department store and everything kind of goes like (laughs) and then (laughs) all the sound falls away and no one seems to see her or hear her and she can't hear anything everything is silence except for the little of her heels where she runs around formative much Hmm, silent hill I was genuinely distressed by this section when this happened this was the first time that it like became an actual horror movie for me yeah yeah, because everything is fine. She's, like, talking to the sales girl, and the sales girl goes away, and then comes back, and then all of a sudden, it's like, no one sees her. Yeah, and just, the, and that sheer silence, that she's just trapped in nothingness, and yet she has all the sensory around her except for sound. Ugh. Yeah, it's unnerving. It's unnerving. Eventually, she snaps to it, and uh, this dude outside is like, I'm a doctor, come to my office, and... <laughs> Will it'll be fine. And so she tells him everything that's been going on for like an hour and he gives his opinion and then he's like, Well, I'm not a psychiatrist <laughs> <laughs> But here's my opinion anyway. Uh so she these kind of things keep happening. She starts to feel uh less and less connected to the world. People tell her she's not connected to the world. Her sleazy neighbor takes her out and she doesn't want to drink, she doesn't want to dance. What does she want to do? She goody two shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she is at work at the church doing her thing, she kind of falls into a trance and is playing this music. She has no control over her hands and everything gets really cool. And then the minister flips out and he's like, that's profane. You're fired. Get out of my church. But also you can come back because we can save you. <laughs> so she like basically she has nowhere to turn to the ghostly figures keep appearing with more and more frequency she has no job she has no anything so she decides to go back home but she kind of can't get out of town she has another one of those wub wub incidents incidences where all the sound falls away and she's completely disconnected from everything she ends up back at the pavilion where the ghouls are engaging in a ghostly dance uh, and she sees herself dancing with them, and you're like, what? And then it turns out she's been dead this whole time. She died in the horrible drag racing accident tragedy. Oh, she just disappears in that mud outside that pavilion surrounded by ghouls. 
and then you see them pulling up very psycho but you see them pulling up the car from the from the river (laughs) and just those three soggy actresses trying not to blink (laughs) so good and i said to myself i know where beetlejuice came from now (laughs) yeah that's the thing is like nowadays people watching it might might pick up on the the idea the twist early on because we're so jaded and cynical and it's also been 130 years since this movie was made but 1961 it was a fresh idea it really twas and it's <laughs> it still feels fresh to me yeah it's been done like 15 times or so even more probably since in movies as the twist and it gets people every, i mean six cents hello it gets people every time it's so f- i knew it going in um, because just because it had been spoiled for me, you know, just through existing on the internet or whatever for 20 something years. But it was so, f- I just loved it because I didn't care. I knew that twist was coming and yet I just was so into the mystery of her experience and like, well, why can she still see people and talk with people? And what are these moments where she dips out? And that feeling of, of, um, you know, being a little bit older and thinking about mortality a little bit more and more. <laughs> Watching this movie and kind of feeling her experience of, like, that sense of something is coming or time is running out. This sense of disconnection. It was just really engrossing. Because, I mean, it's this, it's this modern-day, workaday woman, <laughs> queen, just wandering around, aloof, disconnected, while you just, this constant organ score. Yeah, the music is basically her music it's like we're seeing the movie we're very much having her experience while we watch this movie it's she's very disconnected but it doesn't come off as it being because she's dead no even though that's going to be part of it it's very kind of uh, it feels dare i say it's got parallels to a korean film there are several actually in the whispering corridors series where it's like maybe a ghost doesn't know it's dead Someone yeah. doesn't know they're dead, like that kind of thing. Um, it's, this is just a super formative film. Um, but she's she just is doing her thing. And everyone keeps telling her there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. Why? Why? How can you play the organ at a church but not feel anything for religion? How can you look at it? It's just a job. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you succumbing to the advances of your sleazy neighbor? What's wrong with you? Why aren't you drinking the claw? Right. <laughs> It's called doing the claw, Anthony. Thank okay. you. Why aren't one you doing not, the claw? <laughs> one does not just drink the claw. One does it. It is much like the do. The claw is a lifestyle, not just a beverage, okay? <laughs> much like the do, the claw is also done. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, but but it is like a. there's something wrong with you. Do you have a soul? Are you just a husk of a person? And yeah. I'm just like, maybe Mary just wants to do her own fucking thing. That's what, so that's, this is, this, I get so excited. And I think this is part of why I'm so drawn to this movie is I have not, at least in the world of literature and books that I've been reading, I cannot crawl out of, nor do I want to crawl out of, this genre of it's i don't know what this genre is called but the best that i can explain it is like solo women in vaguely supernatural existential crises 
And, I mean, I've been reading books and stories by Laura Vandenberg, who I highly recommend to our listeners. They're all, like, really concerned with horror movies or cryptids, and it's just... It's usually a woman who just got divorced or is dealing with a rocky marriage or something, just, like, wandering about her life, and then she'll see a doppelganger, or she'll see Bigfoot, or just something weird goes wrong, and then her whole sense of reality is upended. Um... Uh, that this other book that I just that I mentioned a little earlier, The Hole by Hiroko Oyamata, super similar. But like just these solo journeys of women just questioning reality and their place in it as mm-hmm. as modern women, I just can't get enough of. And seeing that kind of in a way, this all that whole genre goes back to Carnival of Souls <laughs> is really cool. And it got me wondering like how much and forgive me because i always like to take it to what was happening at the time and what is this about sociologically but i'm like how much of this like and you know she's a she's a modern woman she isn't married she isn't interested in dating she's really interested in her work and not the traditional aspects that go with her work about being religious being you know pious whatever i'm like how much of this is about the this sort of early 60s newly developing modern career woman and sort of the like society looking at her and saying well what's wrong with you that you want that because I, I think that's sort of an underlying thing that i mean i think this e- that genre even in a way kind of applies to like picnic at hanging rock where it's like when women just find themselves on the outskirts of society on the outskirts of expectation and they kind of go off into the deep end and resistance of that i just love it it's definitely the situation women have found themselves in. It is also analogous to uh, the the journey of the queer. Yep. Um, and just, you know, being told that there is something wrong with you, you don't fit. Like, and why is that? It's like, but no, 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 there's something. And these women are often driven to death, basically, by the end of these movies. Or mm-hmm. if they're lucky and it's Picnic at Hanging Rock, they can just bounce and be like, all right, well. I'm going to go in this hole in the wall. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Might turn into a space lizard. See you later. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's a, this movie is like, is feels prescient in a way. Yes. That it, um, it does speak to the sort of women's liberation movement, but it was already happening in 1961. I've been reading a lot about, dare I say it again, taking a, a history of Korean politics and a history of Korean gender politics class and talking about the way that um, after the Japanese occupation ended, there was this idea of the modern Korean woman who took a lot from Japanese culture. And it was, you know, they were dressing a little more Western. They had their hair was short and all of this, and it just caused an uproar. And, you know, then the government went back to, you know, it became a dictatorship again. And, Women were thrown in jail. Women were fined right on the streets. There were there was a basically the fashion police existed and they would cut men's hair right on the street. They had rulers to measure your skirt length and all of this and you would be fined or jailed. Oh my god. And it's like right in this time period, you know, it's a little bit before this. It's like, you know, late 40s into the 50s, but you know, women kind of flexing their independence or like maybe the prescribed gender role doesn't fit me. Maybe the prescribed lifestyle doesn't fit me or whatever. And, yeah. you know, women women have historically been punished for any deviation like that. Yeah, absolutely. And here, Mary, Mary Henry has no one 
really on her side through this whole movie. Maybe Mrs. Thomas a little bit. I Mrs. Thomas, I think absolutely um, is there for her, but is 100% a traditionalist. Yes. Like Mrs. Thomas says to her, my dear, you cannot live in isolation from the human race, you know. She has nobody to tell her, like, it's okay. Oh, really? You're just good at your job and you just want to do that and do your own thing? That's cool. Yeah. Everybody in her life tells her there's something wrong with her and she doesn't get sympathy or empathy from anybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's always your fail. You are a failure. You are failing. But the fact that Mary Henry still exists in spite of that, that, you know, she'll, she was kind of will respond to statements like that and just say, I have no desire for the close company of other people. I just, I love her. (laughs) She's a queen. Yeah. The only time when she finally capitulates a little with the sleazy neighbor and goes out with him, it's because she's afraid of the ghostly figures and she wants kind of a safety in numbers. But it's not like, like there's no romance subplot in this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why she invites him back to her room and he's trying to mack on her. But she just keeps stepping away and just trying to keep him in the room without any interest in interacting with him. Because if he leaves the room, then she's up for grabs from Mr. Ghost Director, ghoul. Yeah, (laughs) which is amazing for a movie from 1961 that this woman, even though she's castigated by the other characters or whatever, that she does exist in this state of independence. Yeah. And doesn't feel sorry for herself for being a solo act. If she feels sorry for herself, it's because she has some scary incidences. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so that's unnerving, but she doesn't see anything wrong with her own lifestyle. Yeah, and I don't think the film, even though she's dead, I don't think the film judges her for it either. I don't think um, Hurt Carvey, one of the best names ever, (laughs) director, I don't think he, I think he's on her side. Even though, I mean, he plays the ghoul that's constantly coming after her, but I, I really think the film doesn't judge her. Because, I mean, when you get to the end of the film... Um, when the, you see a doctor, a priest, and a cop walks into a bar, but you see these, you see these three guys trying to invest, which is so interesting that she has, she has vanished into the ether. Thank you, Picnic at Hanging Rock. She has vanished into nothingness, um, by the end of the film after the ghoul, ghoul dance-a-thon surrounds her. They, the cop is demonstrating, well, the footprints, we see them in the mud or sand leading all the way here, and then they just stop. And these three authoritarian figures, um, very patriarchal figures, a cop, a doctor, and a priest, who the priest and the doctor we have already seen interacting with her and failing to help her, failing to understand her, to see her as another person, that these three people are left spellbound and speechless like, ultimately, it's saying that this, the patriarchal tradition, these three men, whatever, as they stand for, they can't, they have no say. They can't affect anything or any change. They are just there to maintain these outdated traditions that serve no purpose. And when we all die. <laughs> and so I think that moment of judgment, I think, if anything, it kind of judges them and it judges that artifice, whereas it, it, it is sort of supportive of her. Yeah, and it's also even just on a more basic level. Um, it's like it gives this movie kind of a parallel feeling to something like Final Destination. Mm-hmm. Where just like a, like a more superficial read where it's like, when you're going to die, you're going to die. And religion can't save you. Medicine can't save you. The cops aren't going to do anything. Like you can't 
cheat death, we're all gonna die. But we all can, it's so funny how shocking that idea is still today. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Because we believe culturally so much that this is just a waiting room for the next thing. Just as an existential, it feels very modern, but as an existential piece of just dread and moving towards the the void in the end (laughs) it it feels so timely it feels like like if i had watched this in 2020 my brain would have exploded um and yet i don't think it feels dreadful because i mean even though there's so much dread in the movie i don't think it's necessarily dreadful because it's like well she still you know was living the life she wanted to live yeah, it's because I think it's because like for me personally, it's because I think she's fucking cool as shit. You know, like that's, yeah, that's the thing. It's like I guess it depends on how that character strikes you, how how the whole piece is gonna strike you. Is it a tragedy? Um, I mean, it's a tragedy because she dies, but but her is her existence a tragedy? Do you feel the need to go to church and connect with your community that way? Do you feel the need to do all these things that people are telling her she should be doing? Yeah. It, well, and it's also, it's not that she's broken. No, not it's at not all. That, it's not that something's wrong with her. Like, she genuinely liked hanging out with her neighbor, her creepy, sleazy neighbor in the morning when he came over and brought her coffee. She really loved the conversation, and she was laughing, and she had fluttery feelings after he, like, kind of hit on her and then left. And, like, you know, but she's not, she's not falling into the, oh, now I need him. She's just like, well, that was really nice as a first thing in the morning, and now I have the rest of the day to go shopping. Right. (laughs) And so she isn't broken. She is capable of feeling. She she can enjoy the presence of the people. She really, she gets along very well with Mrs. Thomas, the landlady. But she does, she understands that she doesn't need to follow in the traditions including um dying when you're supposed to (laughs) (laughs) and staying dead yeah yeah but that's kind of now i love her even more this queen surpasses death (laughs) she's like fuck you i don't need the company of people dead or alive (laughs) i just need to play my organ and get paid yeah, it doesn't make, that's the thing is everybody tells her she's soulless and not a complete person. And, you know, but she's like, but I am a complete person. I'm, I'm happy doing my thing. And it doesn't, like you said, it's not, it doesn't stem from some kind of tragic backstory where she's like, I had a fiance and he left me at the altar. Like, there's nothing like yeah. that. It's just, she's like, I do my thing. Yeah. I love it. It just feels very ahead of its time. We don't, honestly, we don't get, uh, birds. <laughs> we, we, we don't get leading ladies. These We don't get these heroines like this in a film in 1961. We don't get this. I mean, ar- you could argue we didn't begin to get women like this until 2015. It's a question. It's interesting. Great movie. Beautiful movie. Cinematography is aces. Especially the, cri- the criterion is all cleaned up and pretty. I'm going to get it. I watched it on Shudder, and I mean, it's it's just actively disintegrating as you watch it, which is also absolutely <laughs> a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to have to get the Criterion, because I, I just can see myself watching. I can see myself popping out a claw and watching this movie all day, every single day. But because I'm going to be drinking so many, I'll get it off-brand, or just a cheaper seltzer, and then just drop a dollop of vodka in there. Kids these days, and they're alcohol- <laughs> my goodness <laughs> i don't even drink anymore i barely drink um 
Yeah, gorgeous film, perfect film, super formative film. Even just like those jumps of her constantly seeing this guy, I'm like, well, Mike Flanagan just stole that and put that in Bly Manor. So I, I, it's just so funny to see that this movie continues, continues to be this formative masterpiece. I was so clueless. I didn't even know that, you know, my two favorite movies, Beetlejuice and Silence of the Lambs, I didn't even know that one of them, the entire opening sequence, came straight from this movie. It was just a treat. And then to find out, when I was reading about the movie, to find out, wait, you're telling me in Lana Del Rey's 13 Beaches, another queen I love who is who is obsessed with the solo journey of the woman against existential crisis, shut up, um, that she, in 13 Beaches, it opens with an audio clip of Mary Henry saying, I don't belong in this world. That's what it is. Something separates me from other people everywhere Every wait, everywhere I turn, there's something blocking my escape. Wow! And then Lana starts, and then I start crying. I pop another claw, and it's just I just vibe with my queens. Good for you. Thank you. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Listen, life is nothing support. but a bunch of journeys. You know what I mean? That's the thing. And it's like, are you gonna go to the ruined pavilion and dance? I hope you dance like that song. I hope you dance. I hope you dance, Anthony. I hope you dance like no one's looking. Or whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm tired. Is that a rough draft Hallmark card? Yes, I'm working on it. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I hope I dance too. I will dance. Okay, good. I will dance and I will say a formative queen named Mary Henry taught me to live it up while I still can. Yeah. In whatever fashion you choose. Whatever fashion I choose. I don't need to, I don't, I am going to march to the horrible sound of my own organist. Organ music does nothing for me, I have to say. It's truly awful, is it not? (laughs) She might be a great organist. I say, you're no mama moo, are you? No, you're not. (laughs) Now, if this film was set to only the soundtrack... Oh my god. The complete discography of Mamamoo. Please. My heart can only take so much. Can you please re-edit this film to Mamamoo? (laughs) But listen, all those people were held wrapped. Like I said, you know God fucking loves it. But I just, I'm like, I don't know. It's two sides of a coin. Church and Dracula's castle. (laughs) No thanks. Organs are terrible. It's it's absolutely the worst instrument that ever was invented, right? Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. I think a pipe organ, like pipe organs, are really cool. In, like in a movie theater, when you do like the old silent movies, and you get the pipe organ, like it's definitely yeah. yeah Dracula's Castle. That vibe is cool. It just sounds like a mess to me. It's abrasive. Yeah. It... In this movie, it's fantastic because it feels so. I mean, it 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 really solidifies that carnival vibe. Um, which there really is very little carnival vibe to this. But like, yeah, it just reminds me of when I was a kid and I'd stay at my grandma's and my great grandma would wake me and my grandma up every morning because she would start playing a fucking organ at seven in the morning. (laughs) And you're like, who is this for? Like, pass me a white claw. (laughs) Too early for this. What would you like, Mongo? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please, Grandma. <laughs> yeah, 
then she reaches into her bedside yeah. like, clock cooler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well. Well, I'm glad you finally saw it. See, this podcast is good for something. We're making us see movies we've never seen that we should see. It's true. Thank you for thank you for really pushing that. I mean, you barely pushed. It. You just said, "Let's do it," and I said, "Okay." But like, I remember this has been on your when we've done our Halloween picks or like our haunted movie playlist or whatever. We've you know we've done a couple episodes where we've recommended things, and like this has been one that you've recommended several times. I fully see why now. I love this film. I want to live in it. I only want stories and movies about women just wandering through their lives, questioning everything. And um, Mary Henry's a goddamn queen. So, so I am I fully excited to watch the Wes Craven Presents remake starring Larry Miller tonight? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Larry Miller? Larry Miller! As Larry who? fucking... The, so it's not... Okay, listen, to the, can I read you this? Sure. I got nothing else to do. Go ahead. Bear with, bear with, Carnival of Souls. Bear with, Carnival of Souls, 1998 film. 1998 just sends a shudder through my body. Isn't it just disgusting? Although this film is a remake of 1961, 1962's Carnival of Souls, it bears little resemblance to the original aside from the ending. The film centers on Alex Grant, Bobby Phillips, who witnesses a carnival clown played by Larry Miller, raping and murdering her mother on January 24th, 1977. 20 years later, he returns after being released from prison and attacks Alex in her car. She drives the car into the river, remember? And as she struggles back to shore, she has hallucinations of him and the same carnival where she met them. She is then drawn into a ghoulish game of cat and mouse with Larry Miller at the carnival. Shawnee Smith and Larry Miller. Grandma, pass me a claw. (laughs) No. Are you fucking kidding me? Rapist carnival clown Larry Miller. Did Wes Craven write this? No, it's a Wes Craven Presents, so it's like, because you know he's a master of horror and he had great integrity, as we all remember, so he would just... Signed his name on everything? Apparently. Did he, like, read any? Like, what? Wow, 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 wow. That's, That's like, why. The, the worst remake premise of all of them. And I say this even with martyrs existing. I know people love Wes Craven. I know people love Wes Craven. I like A Nightmare on Elm Street and the other one. And I just think I have a lot of questions about his actual artistic integrity and when you look at these movies that he produced or executive produced or just put his name on and then the highfalutin air that he applied to everything else he did and then you see Project Greenlight season three, the one where they decided to do a horror movie and that's where Feast came from and Wes Craven executive produces it and he's like, the script is terrible. You're all doing this wrong. I want to make music of the heart with Meryl Streep. And then you're like, but he signed off on Larry Miller, Carnival Rape Clown? (laughs) anyway i mean no disrespect for the dead i hope larry miller does not put that on his business card (laughs) be a big mistake if he asks me (laughs) 
<laughs> your business card consultant business. <laughs> it's not terribly lucrative, but it's young. <laughs> we'll see. So, you know, we could have watched that instead. We could have. I will never watch it, despite Shawnee Smith. Isn't that so, just like, I read that and I saw Carnival Rape Clown, Larry Miller, Shawnee Smith. I'm like, she's not even the Mary Henry. It's somebody named Bobby Phillips. But I'm just, what is, how does this happen? They reached out to one Candace Hilligoss, a.k.a. Mary Henry. And, um, or wait, no, did they even reach out to her? I think they asked her if she wanted to be in the movie or she would do a cameo, and she said no, and then she was really pissed that they didn't reach out to her initially for her original sequel treatment. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love a queen. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. She also, like, I guess she, she did, like, one other movie, and then she married some actor, and then she he, she divorced him in, like, 81, and she lives in Beverly Hills the rest of her life. And then in, like, 2017, she published a memoir called, like, Living with an Actor, A Nightmare, or something like that. And I, <laughs> so I think she truly is Mary Henry, and I just yeah. am enamored. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. So, queens of plenty. I guess so. Um, Stacy, with all that said, are you ready to approach the pavilion and sidestep past Larry Miller and place your head on the chopping block? Absolutely. The chopping block... It's a question and answer game show, right? Time kind of thing. We have, there's a, you put your head on the chopping block. I haven't done this in so long. Keep going. You put your head on the chopping block and you choose from one of three categories. Each category consists of five questions. You have 10 seconds to answer each question. Unless you take your one opportunity to cry out. I want the wig! In which case, I had a good wig the other day. I had a wig thought the other day. It's gone now, though. Wait, is a wig thought the equivalent of having a good wig? <laughs> I meant having it like I had a good uh, wig for the chopping block, is what I meant. Oh, oh, oh! Like that you could have informed. Like in, yeah. You could have mad libsed. Yeah, it would have been great. But what wig could it possibly have been? You, Who so knows? There was no concept. You weren't wearing a conceptual wig the other day. I'm always wearing a conceptual <laughs> yeah, wig. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, no, but I thought of a good wig, but uh, it's gone now. So anyway, any wig you find. <laughs> I need a, I'm sorry. I just, I need a book, Good Wigs, by Stacey Ponder. <laughs> Oh, my life's work. Yes. My life's work. Uh, Maybe it was, I was thinking about also, did you ever notice on Atlanta, Kim Zoltsiak, when she wears a wig? Is Tell me, you you know all about wig science. Thank you. She wears her wig, if you look very closely, she wears it back on her head. And the stuff in front is her real hair. Yes. Is that, are you supposed to do that? I think she's trying, I, 
Here's what I think she's trying. I also really love that you consult me for two things: wigs, science, and tarot cards. <laughs> so I'm really <laughs> grateful for that. It says a lot about us. But like, I think what she's tr- you're not you're not actually supposed to do that because I think what she's trying to do is I think she's trying to essentially fill out her hair by having this wig, and so she wants to blend it with her real bangs or whatever hair up front. But it looks. The effect is basically like Karen Huger's Cousin It wig is just falling off. You can do it. You're not supposed to do it. Like, if you're a little bit more skilled with wigs, you can do it. She's not doing it right. I see. She's Kim Zolz. That's surprising. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, that wig... Uh, if you cry out, I want the wig, then one of her wigs that she sells after she's used them uh, appears on your head and gives you ten more seconds to answer the question. If you cry out, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> yeah. The wig does mean a thing. It means 10 extra seconds. <laughs> um, if you answer incorrectly or time runs out, you will get your head chopped off by our non-binary executioner, the heads they. Uh, if you answer correctly, if you answer all the questions correctly, we will celebrate you, period. Okay. <laughs> I love that! There you go. We get celebrated. We get celebrated, at least for a moment or two, right? That's real nice. Yeah. Oh. So, we had a really good run for a while where, like, we were remembering or alternating tracking who did what and went when. And then the break happens, and I don't know anything. Me either, so we should flip a coin. Ooh, do you have a coin? No. I I have a pen. (laughs) um well no okay i could flip my phone i'm thinking of uh mama a song uh uh decalcomany there you go okay fine even though that's decalcomany decalcomany yes sure okay you go first i just learned what it meant the other week (laughs) that's right okay you go first you can ask or answer your choice i answer You answer. Okay. Well, then I will present you with three categories, one of which is brand new. (gasps) Isn't that exciting? I only wrote one new category. You say you had a whole week off and you only wrote, like, what a slacker. But listen, I have so many categories and they're all starting to, like, I'm having like a Mary Henry whoop whoop where all the categories are blending together, and I'm like, I'm having ideas that I've already had. Yeah! I can't remember which categories I've already done, and if I just have the title, did I make any questions? I don't know. I have a lot of old categories, and so I said, I'm just going to do one new one. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, to start it off, your new category, or should I give you the old ones first? I'll give you the old ones first. Old category number one implements of terror where i name a slasher movie weapon a unique slasher movie weapon you tell me the movie cool from whence the weapon hails category two i do even see color (laughs) (laughs) okay sutton In this category, you have 50 seconds, or 60, if you ask for that wig, to give me, what is it, five movie titles that uh, have colors in the name. Have a color in the name. Okay. Oh, like any colors? Yeah, like a color. Like, oh, okay. 
like let's say a blue blue is a color you see <laughs> maybe you can think of a movie with the word blue in the title <clears throat> and your new category is romero romero wherefore art thou romero oh deny thy father and refuse thy name okay okay or drama if thou club. wilt not be but sworn my love Get off your balcony. And I'll no longer be a sweater zombie. <laughs> uh, this category is all about those wonderful voiceover monologues in movies. Yes, like a narration, a block of narration, usually at the beginning or the end of a film. Character gives a little voiceover monologue. I will read to you, said monologue. You tell me which movie the monologue comes from. Did Romero do that a lot? No, it's just, I just, I, it just sounded like Romeo. Oh, you just wanted to, <laughs> you just wanted to Shakespeare it up. I was like, what's, what, give me a soliloquy. And I, that was the one I immediately I see. I yeah. love that. Yeah. So... Your categories are Implements of Terror, I Do Even See Color, and Romero, Romero, Wherefore Art Thou Romero? Mmm. These are all good. I really want to do the Romero one because I want to hear these dramatic readings. Simultaneously, I'm really... I've been... I've always wanted to choose that Implements of Terror one. Mmm. I think you'll clean up in any of these three, personally. I'm going to, you know what, I'm, because I'm feeling the mysterious, like, oh, what is existence? I'm a solo woman on my journey. I want soliloquies for 5,000. Ah, okay. Romero, Romero. Okay. All right. Well, place your head on the block, my friend. Oh, God. You'll get these. Come on now. Okay. And tell me which movie this is from. Okay. Within, walls continue upright. Bricks meet, floors are firm, and doors are sensibly shut. Oh. Silence lies steadily against the wood and stone of Hill House, and we who walk here walk alone. Oh, Shirley Jackson's such a good writer. That's the haunting, please. Yes, it is. Ding, ding, ding. Some of these are very long, so I'm tr- going to try to truncate them. And if you know it, please just blurt it out. even. Before but you've know. conditioned me to no blurts. I think this is blurt time. I'm, I'm not Paul Blurt. Paul <laughs> Blurt! <laughs> okay. That's bad. You'll get this. That was terrible. Okay. <laughs> but we both thought of it. Okay. Here we go. He was always bad, and in the end, he intended to tell them I killed those girls and that man. As if I could do anything but just sit and stare like one of his stuffed birds. They know I can't move a finger, and I won't. I'll just sit here and be quiet, just in case they do suspect me. They're probably watching me. Well, let them. Let them see what kind of person I am. I'm not even going to swat that fly. I hope they are watching. (laughs) They'll see. They'll see and they'll know. And they'll say, why? She wouldn't even harm a fly. fly. (laughs) 
psycho, 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 psycho. Yes, indeed. I freaked out because I thought these were all soliloquies at the beginning of the movie. No, no. Okay, so these are just anywhere in the movie. Yeah, well, these are all, I could say they're all at the beginning or the end or maybe both. (laughs) So they're all somewhere in the movie. Beginning or end or both. Yeah. Oh, okay. Not in the middle. Oh, okay. I like that. Okay. This one is very long. I should really, where can I actually start? Because otherwise I'll be here for 10 minutes. Do I do the beginning or the end? Well, the beginning is always a very good place to start. But the end of this one is real good. Oh, well then. Well, can you trunk it? Can you ellipses in the middle midsection so we get some of both? Okay. They say that nightmares are dreams perverted. I've told them here it wasn't a nightmare, but they don't believe me. They nod and make little notes in my file. And they watch me now, waiting for me to scar my breasts. To eat insects, maybe. Or to lift my dress like some crazy old woman and urinate on the floor. But there's so little time left. You've got to listen. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) But what happened there? What they did to me? What they're doing now? They're coming here. They're waiting at the edge of the city. They're peering around buildings at night. And they're waiting. They're waiting for you. And they'll take you one by one, and no one will hear you scream. No one will hear you scream! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit! Um, I am clueless. I'm suddenly clueless. Fuck, I'm just gonna... Uh, Messiah of Evil? Yes! Really? Yes. Really? I dot dot dotted the part where she says, uh, not far from here, there's a small town on the coast. They used to call it New Bethlehem, but they changed the name to Point Doom after the moon turned blood red. Oh, fuck. Point Doom doesn't look any different than a thousand other neon stucco towns. But what happened there? What they did to me? Oh, God. Messiah of Evil rules Messiah so of Evil. fucking hard. It's fucking wicked. Oh, my God. I love that movie. Love that movie. That movie is so easy to access now in nice prints. It's on YouTube. It's other places. If you have never seen Messiah of Evil and you are in for a mood journey. Uh, arguably also a woman, women on existential meltdown. Yes, absolutely. Messiah of motherfucking evil. Okay. I can't believe I got that. If you had kept in the point, I absolutely would have known that. But I can't believe I got that. I, there's something, Stacy. you convey... <laughs> the love of the film just through the the timbre of your voice. Oh, it's like when you did the when we did the remember dot dot dot. What's that movie? Somehow it's just you, you. This is why you would make an excellent translatrix because oh. you are able to convey the spiritual meaning through the very sound of the syllables. Hmm. Well, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. That's a great fucking monologue on the side of the wall. So no one will hear you scream. <laughs> oh, so good. The title comes up. Oh, so man. Oh, wicked. Okay. Next one is much, much shorter. And I can tell you it appears at the beginning and at the end. Okay. I sit here and I can't believe that it happened. And yet I have to believe it. Dreams or nightmares, madness or sanity. I don't know which is which.
I want the wig. Um. Um. Oh fuck! I'm gonna guess. Wait. I'm gonna guess. Oh wait. My guess just. I forgot my guess. Wait. Um. I was gonna guess. Um. Oh shit! I just forgot. Um. That is. No. The answer we're looking for. Let's scare Jessica to death. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Another woman on a solo existential journey. That's right. Oh. She's in her little rowboat. She gives the same, it's the movie opens with that and it closes with it, but it's not the same read. As best as I could tell. It's two different readings of the same thing. Mm, because she's she's changed. She's been through it, man. She's been on that journey. Yeah. Another great movie. If you've never seen Let's Scare Jessica, that one's also much easier to find nowadays. Yeah, thank God. So if you've never seen that one, you've got a treat waiting for you. Anyway, you're dead, Anthony. I'm dead. Thank you. But you died with a wig on, which is the most important thing. I did. <laughs> it was shoddily hide it, masking my roots. Yeah. Yep. Because I died wearing Kim Solsiak's hair. Yep. Which really is an appropriate way to go. I'm sorry. We're going to roll you out of the way so I can put my head <laughs> on the block now. I shall place my head in the cybernetic Walt Disney spider robot. <laughs> and I shall present to you... One returning category and two new categories for you <gasps> to choose you. from. Go get her. I know. It, I'm so with you. There are so many categories. I need some kind of like actual database now for the, my chopping block questions. Yeah. Like a searchable, spreadsheetable database. And I, I, I have no idea. Like sometimes I'll get randomly hit with like, 12 categories come to mind and I write them all out or sometimes it's like trying to come up with one is is literally scraping the barrel so torture absolute torture and agony listen people we do this like every week well pretty much every week so be kind your (laughs) returning category is a meteor comes crashing to earth in Mm. which I describe a sci-fi horror film sci-fi slash horror film in which a meteor comes crashing to earth and what happens and then you just tell me what the movie is your first new category is because I've been playing Ghostwire Tokyo and I've been loving the spooky games, or at least games that I can play that are spooky. Your first category, new category, is Game Imitates Art, in which you have to guess the spooky video game inspired by a piece of horror media, horror movie, or TV. Mm. Um, and your second new category is Wait, So I'm Dead? In which, like unto Carnival of Souls, these are all about horror movies where characters have been dead the whole time, but I describe them to you in only four words. Oh. I don't know why. Four? I don't know what the connective (laughs) tissue is, because there's no, like, theme there, but it's it's just how it happens. So, your categories are a meteor comes crashing to Earth, game imitates art, or wait, so I'm dead? Uh, I think I'm going to go for Game Imitates Art, because first of all, as a gamer bro, I must take the opportunity when it strikes. Oh, And also, it sounds uh, interesting. 
Okay, we'll I hope see, it we'll is. We'll see how I do. We'll see how I do. I think these are easy and you're going to get these all. You're an expert. Well, you say that, but then that just puts pressure. Okay. Well, luckily you have a very comfortable gaming chair to alleviate that pressure. <laughs> okay. Game imitates art. So I describe the the thing, the thing that inspired the video game and you tell me what the video game is. Okay. Okay, so these are mostly horror media, so movies and TV. Uh, okay, number one. This 1995 point-and-click classic takes most of its plot and style from Dario Argento's Phenomena, all the way down to its lead character named Jennifer. Clock Tower. Ding, 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 ding! Oh, I love Clock Tower. It's a great fucking game. Yeah, it is. I got it for Super Nintendo, uh earlier this year and it scared mm. the shit out of me yeah it's scary <laughs> that scissor man came right at me and he killed me mm-hmm. number two for being set in new england this game takes a lot of its settings from astoria oregon or perhaps more accurately accurately from kindergarten cop mm. silent hill ding 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 mm. number three Thanks to a deleted scene revealing the film series protagonist had a daughter on Earth, this game makes her daughter our lead character as she searches for her mother. Wait, what? Oh, I'll read it to you again. This is confusing because it's less about inspired by more an adaptation. Uh, thanks to a deleted scene revealing the film series protagonist had a daughter on Earth, this video game makes her daughter the lead character as she searches for her mother. From the films. It's confusing. What? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna remember when dot dot dot. There I was have like no idea. there's a movie franchise and in one of the movies in a deleted scene they say like, Oh, you have a daughter on Earth and she's like, But so much time has passed and then they made a video game where you play as the daughter and you're Oh, like, Alien Isolation. You win ding 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 ding. <laughs> Wow, that was you know what was that, that was the that was the church organ of questions. It, was <laughs> it really was a bunch of sounds signifying <laughs> fucking I don't know what it really was. <laughs> what was it? Oh, it's in Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is a fucking fantastic movie in gay, and I loved it. Um, but Michelle Yeoh keeps telling people, stop making up sounds. <laughs> and that's what I did. I made up sounds. So I apologize. That was a very uh, questionable question. But we're back at it with number four. Look at you. From extreme survival to emerging from pools of blood, this 2013 game took a lot of its visuals from The Descent. Tomb Raider. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So good. Yeah, it is. All right. Final question. This notoriously weird 2010 survival horror game took much of its plot and references from David Lynch's notoriously weird Twin Peaks. 2010. I want the wig. 2010? 2010? Uh, Deadly Premonition? No. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, really? Yay! Yes. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Which I've also never played, but I'm so curious about, and I own on multiple consoles. It's a chore. It seems, like, really clunky. Yeah. But I'm curious because of the weirdness and the Twin Peaksiness. Yeah. 
Look ye emerge a winner. Crown her with sashes and laurels. Thank you. And a wig. And a wig. That I get to enjoy. You lived wearing a wig. I did. And that's... Wait. Is this a loophole? Does the wig always stay with the winner? If wearing it? (laughs) That's true. Luckily, it... it, So that we had two Kim Zolciak wigs? Maybe it disintegrates into sparkles like... uh, Freddy Krueger at the end of A Nightmare on Elm Street or Nancy Thompson's father at the end of A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. It's, you know, there's a time limit or like a spatial boundary. Yeah, before the wig just must, yeah, return to the ether. Yeah. 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 Well. (laughs) Good job. Hooray. Hooray. We did it. We did it. Um, anyway, well, uh, <laughs> well, did you come home from a hard day at the construction site? <laughs> yes. You slam down your lunch pail. Ugh. 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 Uh, well, you can find so much stuff at gaylordsofdarkness.com. You can find links to our social medias. You can find old episodes. You can find, uh, there's probably some other things. You can go there. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Like and subscribe or whatever. And, uh, okay. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my god! god. Oh Oh my my god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness! Ha, ha, ha.